0: Of the Lord is in this place today. Amen. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdoms of earth. I'm so grateful. He came bringing the power, the truth, the grace, the hope, and the love of heaven and all that is in that realm so that we, sinners, could experience the fullness of that kingdom here on earth, so that those who would humble their hearts, those who would believe, and those who would follow him would find in the midst of the, being part of the kingdoms here that we would be part of an even greater kingdom here, the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus called his disciples to make this their passion and their priority. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things would be added to you. He called them to preach and go and tell others about this kingdom, this way of life that could happen on earth just like it happens in heaven. Just as it is in heaven, there's full obedience to God. In heaven, there's full praise to God, amen? In heaven, there's the full demonstration of God's ways. There's peace with God. And there are people who love, adore, and worship him. And he came so that we could experience that same thing. He he came and brought miracles to show here's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. He told his disciples to go and preach and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's here. And he told them to go and heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead and to cast out demons because Jesus was changing lives and Jesus was changing families and Jesus was changing the culture. We have been given the privilege and the power to be difference makers, to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdoms of this world. I don't get believers in churches that say it's not our goal and role to change the culture. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That's cultures, that's people groups, to teach his ways, declare his ways, and attempt to bring heaven to earth so that the culture looks more like heaven than it does earth, amen? this is our role, this is our calling, this is what Jesus told the disciples to do, he told them to live their faith out loud. He called them to speak the truth out loud. He called them to worship out loud because faith was never meant to stay a private thing. Faith was never meant to stay just this personal thing. Faith was never meant to be something that was just kept as secret. It was meant to be proclaimed, loved, adored, pursued, and taught to others. Because the only way you can bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdoms of this world are for those who believe to speak out loud about that kingdom. Amen? How great would your marriage be If you, if a husband and wife had love for one another, but they never said that to one another, they never expressed it to one another, but said, oh, but I I really love them deep in my heart. I just never show them that love. Dude or dudette, whoever you are, you can't say you love and don't express that love, for that's not love. James would say in, the God, in, his, in his writings later in the New Testament, if you say you have faith and you keep that inside and it never spills out, it never shows up, it's never spoken, it's never expressed, then that faith is dead. You've been deceived to think you can have faith and it not come out of your life because faith speaks, love speaks, and the kingdom of this world can only be impacted and changed when those who know the kingdom of heaven speak about that kingdom. Amen? This is what we are called to. We're called to live our faith out loud. We're in the middle of our Pray Bold series, so we're gonna combine these two ideas today with a very important message I'm calling today, Pray Out Loud and Change the Atmosphere. Caleb's already helped us walk into this space already today. Because there's power when God's people will pray bold. We've seen that. But there is, there's even greater power when you choose to pray out loud. Now, I recognize for many people that may be a new thing, that may be an uncomfortable thing, that may be an awkward thing. But we're not here to believe in Jesus Christ because it's comfortable and not awkward. Hello? He laid down his life for us. He shed his blood on a cross. You and I are called to speak the reality of who he is in our life and what he is. He is Lord. And that demands that we get to a place where we can boldly pray out loud in the spaces where it's easy when there's others around us, but also in the spaces of our home where it is most important. Amen? So today... We're going there. There's a time to pray quietly. There's a time to pray in your closet. There's a time to pray in secret. Jesus even taught that. But when I pray in secret, the atmosphere in me changes. But if you want to change the atmosphere in your marriage, your home, your friend group, your community, and your nation, then you've got to get to your place where you pray bold and you pray bold out loud because it is in faith that speaks that the atmosphere around us is changed. Let me make a few points today and then we're gonna look at a passage of scripture and we're gonna finish today with another baptism. I'm excited about that today. So uh, a few points today. Here's the first one. Every place has a spiritual atmosphere. Every place, whether it's here, Your home, your car, where you work, when you go to the store, when you're at a park, every place you go has a spiritual atmosphere. You may not be at the place where you've ever recognized that. You may not have ever sensed that. You may not have ever even thought about that, but it is true. Now, sometimes we use some other names to refer to it. You'll walk into a space. You'll walk into a friend's house. You'll go to a store. You'll go somewhere, and you'll walk in. You'll say, there is a weird vibe in here, right? That's kind of the modern version of it. There's a weird vibe in here. That is some recognition that there is something spiritual off kilter in that space. You're recognizing that something's not right there. You may say something like, something just feels off here in this place. You might say, I get a strange feeling when I'm, with this group, or I get a a weird sense when I'm in this location. That is all awareness of a spiritual atmosphere because every place has one. It may be for God's glory, or it may be that it is possessed, it may be that it is influenced, it may be that it is off in some way spiritually, because you also recognize it from a positive stance. Sometimes you might walk into a space and say, I just sense that the Spirit of God is here in this place. Hello? I hear it from people that visit here. They'll say, the minute I walked in the door, I knew I was home. Like, you, hadn't even, you haven't even met anybody here yet. And they said, I, I didn't have to. I just knew when I walked in. I knew that the Spirit of God was here. That's because you're aware of a spiritual atmosphere. Every place has it. I'm not talking about, about New Age crystal stuff. Please hear me. I'm not talking about any of that stuff today. I'm not talking about some ooey-gooey, let's light some incense and get a sense of what's going on. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the the temperature of a room. I'm not talking about the vibrations in a room. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about an awareness of, of, is God in this space? Or is there some kind of principality power or other force in this place? Are you with me so far? So Jesus recognized this as well the Gospels tell the story of different places that Jesus went and he was aware of the spiritual atmosphere. In fact, it it tells us in the Gospels that Jesus went to Capernaum and he sensed among the people that they had a real stubbornness about them. They were resistant to the truth. They were resistant to him. They did not want to change. They wanted to walk in their own ways. They did not want to recognize Jesus as God. And Jesus said about them, this people here, they deserve worse than what happened in Sodom because he sensed their spiritual atmosphere. On another location that Jesus went to, In Nazareth, Jesus walked into a group of people. There was a crowd there. And it says that he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep who were scattered. This is Jesus sensing the spiritual atmosphere. Here these people were like sheep. They were unaware. They were ignorant of his ways. They were pestered. They were bothered. And Jesus wept for them because of their spiritual atmosphere. At another place in Nazareth, Nazareth, it says that Jesus came upon it and he said, I could not do many miracles there. Now that's puzzling enough that Jesus would say, I could not do many miracles there. Jesus can do what he wants. He has all power, but he has chosen to limit himself by the faith of those in a space. Stay with me. Jesus said, because they have hardened their heart, I could not do many miracles there. I only did a few. It's in the Gospels. Jesus recognized that spaces have spiritual atmospheres to them. And what the atmosphere in that space is like will determine the amount of activity he has in that space. All right? So, let's move on. Every place has an atmosphere. The atmosphere is shaped by what is spoken in that place. The words that are said in that space determine the atmosphere in that space. In a place, a home, a friend group, uh, wherever place you want to say, if there is um, angry words spoken, if there are hateful words spoken, if there are bitter words spoken, that atmosphere will have tension and oppression in it. That will be that home, that location, that friend group, that you name the place, you set the atmosphere by the words that are spoken. If there, is, or if there are critical words, if there's a lot of um, nitpicking and uh, complaint and arrogance in a space, there will be an atmosphere of fear and rejection in that space. It will be the atmosphere. That can be a home, can be a family It can be a work environment. It can be a friend group. If there is a home, a place, wherever it might be, where however there is love spoken, faith spoken, truth spoken, with grace, there will be a spirit of life in that place. So as a church, what we do when we gather, we are speaking out loud truth to change the atmosphere here so that it might be an example to all of us of what to do when we go home and shape the atmosphere in our homes. Amen? We don't come here just for an atmosphere uh, booster shot every week. We come here for training, instruction, and encouragement of how to go live our lives with the kingdom of heaven present in our marriages, in our homes, in our friend groups, in our work, and in our world, amen? Amen, so this is, this is how the space is shaped. And the book of Proverbs says it this way. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have the power, God has given you the power to speak into a space and affect the space by what you say. You can speak death into that space. Or you can speak life into that space. So there's a lot of weird atmospheres in our world today. That are there because of what is being spoken. For example, there is a, or an atmosphere of victimhood in our world today you recognize that, the victim is the the atmosphere. And it's because the words that are spoken are, everyone is against me, no one likes me, my feelings are hurt, those are all victim words, and they create a victim atmosphere. And it causes a real self-focus in that space. If you say out loud, I can't do anything right, I'm such a failure, I always mess things up, you are speaking an atmosphere of defeat into your life. And you will live with that attitude over you. Are you with me? If you you say things, however, like I am loved by God, he has redeemed me, I am filled with the Spirit of God, then you will create in you an atmosphere of faith. But it requires saying that out loud. You have to not just think those thoughts. It means saying that, even especially in your home and marriage. That's why it just uh, it just hurts me so much to hear of couples who say, well, we don't ever talk about faith stuff at home. What? Come on. I, I understand maybe you didn't have a good role model for that. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's awkward. But if you want your home to be an atmosphere where Christ fills it and the Spirit of God is in that place and there's hope and there's faith, you've got to speak words of life in that space. If you say things like, Jesus, you have accepted me by your blood, though I was a sinner, you will create an atmosphere of peace, peace with God, because you have spoken truth. If you say out loud, God, I know you have knit me together in my mother's womb, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made you will speak an atmosphere of purpose into your life. If you say, God, you've promised that no weapon formed against me will prosper, you will speak an atmosphere of confidence into your life. But if you say out loud... Well, I'm just no good at praying. I don't really know much about the Bible. I'm really having a hard time understanding what it's all about anyway. I don't even know if I believe all this stuff. You are just speaking an atmosphere of defeat into your life and the enemy is saying, come on, keep it up, love it. Hey, I'll give you some more lines like that. Come on, let's go. You will speak defeat into your life and you'll wonder, I don't know why I can't ever get ahead in my faith. I don't know why I can't have victory over sin. I don't know why I can't have purpose and power in my life. It's because you've spoken an atmosphere of defeat into your life. That's why it's so important what you not just say in your home, but what you allow to be said in your home. You would never let a stranger come off the street and come into your house and just start speaking vile words godless words and attack a family member by their words you would never allow that we'd be practicing our second amendment rights hello <laughs> so why in the world do we let music media and movies Play in our homes and speak those same vile, offensive, godless, cruel, hateful words into our home. Because you allow those words into your home, you are letting that shape the atmosphere in your home. Words have power. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. If it's a person standing in your living room, or if it's a TV playing in your living room, or if it's a radio playing in your car, the words that are said and sung and spoken are setting an atmosphere in that place. Amen? The words you say shape the atmosphere in a place. In the Old Testament, when God was giving his people the commands for how to raise their families, they said, God said, I want you to write it on the walls of your house, my promises. I want you to talk about them when you wake up in the morning, talk about it when you walk by the way. Talk about it when you sit down. Talk about it when you lie down. Because I want, I want your homes to be a place that is filled with the atmosphere of my presence. And you change the atmosphere when you speak truth in it. And again, when so many marriages today and families say, well, we just don't talk about those things in our home. We leave that for the church to do, or we leave that for someone else to do. Uh, we don't pray in our house if you're not speaking truth and praying out loud and allowing other voices to come in the room, you are giving your space over to the enemy because the space will have a spiritual atmosphere and your silence speaks loudly. I'm afraid that's what's happened in our world today. I'm afraid that over the past years, the church has believed the lie that the church needs to stay in its lane and stay on Sunday and stay in the church and not speak into the culture and not speak truth and not be out loud and remove it from the schools and remove it from the culture and remove it from government. Because wherever you remove it, you allow the enemy to own that space because he's speaking. So it's time for the church in this day to say, enough, enough, That's enough. I'm gonna start speaking out loud what God has put in my heart. I'm gonna say it out loud in my church. I'm gonna say it out loud in the culture. But more importantly, I'm gonna start in my home. I am going to say it and pray it and not be ashamed of it. Hello? Look, this is where it starts. Don't let the enemy intimidate you this morning. Don't let him silence and shut you down because you're afraid of such a bold step in your life. Look, we've said a lot about spiritual warfare here over the past weeks. I was reminded of just a, such a significant truth that I, I I had neglected in my own life just this past week even, i just reminded of this idea and this truth. It's not just an idea, it's a truth. Listen carefully. Demons, principalities, powers, and Satan himself cannot read your mind. There is no occasion in Scripture where Satan knew someone's thoughts. There are a lot of occasions where Satan put a stumbling block or a temptation in front of somebody, but he did it because he knew their patterns and their ways and their words, and so he knew what would possibly work in deceiving them. I always thought spiritual warfare was this thing that happened inside my head that I dealt with quietly and privately. But as I was reminded of this truth, There is no principality, power, or evil force that can know my thoughts. They can know my activities, so guess what? If you wanna win at spiritual warfare, you are gonna have to speak it out loud because they hear out loud. When Jesus was in the wilderness, engaged in spiritual warfare with Satan, it was not a head game. It was not a silent thing that was happening. It was a very out loud experience and Jesus spoke truth. You check it out. You search the scriptures and see if what I'm saying is not true. That anytime there was a case of spiritual warfare it's because somebody was speaking out loud truth and speaking and praying out loud, not just privately and quietly in their heart. That's why... I'm convinced that's why the enemy has done his best to shut down the church today because if he can shut us down in silence, if he can shut us down and make us think, oh, well, we just need to keep our faith to ourselves and you know, I do me and they do them and all that kind of stuff. No, that is silencing us from our greatest weapons and our power and our authority and our purpose and all we've been given in Jesus Christ, amen? And so spiritual atmosphere changes when we pray out loud, We can't just live our faith in silence. Jesus told the disciples to go and change the nations, as I said, and it was by preaching. It was by teaching. It was by baptizing. Those are all out loud expressions. Those are all out loud demonstrations. When we baptize today and every time we baptize, we are making a public declaration to all in the room And all who watch online and everyone who sees and every spiritual force that would try to stop whoever it is being baptized, they are making this bold declaration, I have given my life to Jesus. He was buried for me and rose again for me and now I have been buried with him and risen with him. That is an outward, bold step, amen? And that is essential for us to do in our homes. Don't invite trouble into your home by being silent about truth, by being silent in prayer. It has to begin in our home. Some of the most powerful times for Heather and I, spiritually, haven't been when she was sitting in a chair reading her Bible and I was sitting in a chair reading my Bible They weren't the times when she prayed in silence and I prayed in silence. The most powerful times were when she told me what God was doing in her heart through his word and when I told her what God was doing in my heart or when I said even to her, I need you to pray for me because of fill in the blank. And I'm telling you, there is power for a husband to hear his wife pray for him out loud. And men, there is power when you pray out loud for your wife in her presence. You wanna see your children take, their, take faith and own it? Then become parents who pray out loud in your home. There's power when a mom or a dad prays out loud for their children. There's power when a child prays out loud for siblings or parents or grandparents. Because when you pray out loud, you change the atmosphere. You change a home. You change a church environment. You change a culture. That's why... You'll hear me and Caleb encouraging us all while we're gathered to sing or to pray or to agree with an amen, a that's right, a yeah, or whatever it is. I'm not asking for that so I can get my daily affirmation needs. I'm not. I don't want, I'm not looking for you to make me feel better about the message I've prepared. That's not what I'm looking for. There is power when God's people agree out loud because it says to everybody else in the room, hey, this must be true. Other people are agree. And when two or three are gathered in my name, there he is. There's power when two or three agree. There's power in that. There's power in in a word that says, yes, amen, that's right. Mm -hmm." There's power when we sing together. You sense it this morning. There's power when you sing out loud because you are making a spiritual statement and the atmosphere in the room changes because you have opened up your mouth to proclaim what is true and the atmosphere changes. The group up here can sing all they want till their hearts just explode on stage. And they will have an impact on the room. But when an entire room of people are singing and they are full into this and they're believing and they're opening their heart and they're worshiping and it's coming out of their mouth, whether it's sharp, flat, whatever it is, that doesn't matter. This is not a music class. This is the kingdom of heaven on earth. And you bring the kingdom into the room. When you speak and sing out loud, that's when things happen. That's when lives change. That's when hearts that have been stubborn break. That's when hearts that have been hurt are healed. When God's people all together choose to open their mouth and declare the praises of God, that's when the atmosphere changes. Not just here, though. Here is only setting the tone for you to go back home and do the same Whew. you get you some, some of the worship songs that we sing here play them in your home Caleb posts them every week on social media you can go on YouTube you can go on Spotify if you don't know a playlist to follow come ask me, come ask Caleb we'll, we'll point you in the direction of some fill your home, fill your life, fill your car with the atmosphere of God and watch your life change. Now, a story from Scripture illustrates the points for us today. Second Chronicles, Old Testament, chapter 7. Second Chronicles 7 in the Old Testament. Turn there if you would. We're gonna look at some, the first three verses there. I'm gonna give you the little bit of a scene of what's happening. Um, The temple has just been completed. So earlier in the Old Testament, God had given instructions for a tabernacle, uh, a temporary tent-like house. We might think of it like a church was given by God, instructions for that was given by God, and it was a portable thing. It was, it was a, there was a lot to it. It's not like you just went to Joe Poole camping with this thing. This was a massive undertaking that had a holy place in it and the holy of holies in it, and it had a, an altar, and it had the Ark of the Covenant within it, and it was the place where the Spirit of God dwelt. Well, over time, uh, they, they squandered that tabernacle by their own disobedience. Solomon comes along and he's gonna build a temple. It's gonna be a brick and mortar version of that tabernacle. And this temple is the place where the Spirit of God will dwell on earth. There's no other building on earth like it at the time. It's the only place where God has promised he would dwell. Like Caleb talked about earlier, he he would be everywhere, but in this one place, his manifest glory dwelt. And so they are building this temple. They are finishing the work. It's going to assume the identity that God has given it. Because God calls this temple a temple. The temple doesn't get to decide it can be whatever it wants. The building is what it is because God called it that. You are what you are because God calls you that. You don't get to choose what you are. He redeems you. He calls you. You are the gender he gave you. You are the temple he's given you you are redeemed, you are accepted, you are righteous, you are made holy. This is who he's called you to be. You don't get to choose all of that. He chooses it. You just walk up and say, yes, God, I agree with you. I will do what you say. I'll be the person you've made me to be. I will not be jealous of other versions out there. I'm not gonna compare myself with other people out there. I'm gonna be the gender, the identity, the person you've called me. I'll marry as you've called me to. I'll do, I'll stay single if you've called me to. I'll be what you've called me to because you choose my identity. I don't choose my identity, amen? So this temple has been completed and as they do, it comes to the day of consecration. I mean, they've worked hard. They've moved everything in. The nation is gathered And it is a solemn, holy day. And as they move the final pieces in and the priests are doing the work, they're taking in all the furniture that belongs in the Holy of Holies and all the furniture is moved in and in place, they begin the ceremony. And the music begins to play and the high priests are doing their work And in chapter six, it records all of this. Five and six, it records the process going up to all of this. And as they begin to put everything in place, there's this powerful moment that happens inside the temple. The glory of God comes down and it fills the temple on the inside. And the priests are aware of it, and it's powerful, and they are in awe of it. They are aware of God's presence in this place, this temple. And then Solomon the king steps up for the final part of this glorious, powerful day. Solomon the king steps up and prays. Chapter six records his prayer. It's powerful, it's full of repentance. It's full of believing God's promises. It's full of worship. It's full of consecration that this belongs to you, God, that we belong to you, God. And where we begin today is after Solomon prays. Now remember, Solomon's king, the nation is gathered, and he is praying out loud. He doesn't pray silently. He prays out loud. Chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying out loud, fire came down from heaven. Heaven is about to come to earth. The kingdom of heaven is about to be seen in the kingdoms of this world. Fire comes down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. The priest had offered up all the sacrifices for the sins of the people. They'd put them all out there. They'd put them on the altar. They'd put them before the Ark of the Covenant and poured the blood out there. And they stood and they waited. And as Solomon finished praying, oh man, things began to change. The atmosphere began to change. Because the fire of God came down. It says, and it consumed the offerings and the sacrifices. In other words, God was pleased with the sacrifices of the spotless lamb, of the blood poured out for the people. God was pleased with it. And it came down and it consumed all of the offering and all of the sacrifices. And in that moment, they knew, It is finished. It is done. He has accepted our offering. It has been finished. We are free. We are forgiven. It's been done. We don't have to worry anymore. He's accepted our offerings. There's peace with God. They knew that. And the fire of God came down and accepted all of that. And here's what it says next. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The whole place was filled all of a sudden with this massive awareness. God is in this place. He is holy. He is just. He is true. He is righteous. He is good. He is gracious. And they were aware of it. And the atmosphere changed in that moment because his glory moved in. It says it was so powerful that the priests could not enter the house of the Lord. They were so in awe of what was happening that no one moved. There was a hush. Everyone was aware God was here. Heaven was opening and earth was receiving and no one would be the same after this moment because they were aware God is in this place. Our sin has been paid for and we are free and we have consecrated ourselves fully to him. Scripture goes on and it says, this was because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Mm. And you say, man, to have been there that day. Yeah, me too. To have been there that day to be gathered with all the nation in spite of their sin, their failures and their past to see this moment where the glory of God just comes down takes the sacrifice and he shows up the New Testament says that those things were written for our instruction because the Old Testament is not the only place that you find a temple In the New Testament, there is also a temple. But the Bible declares that in the New Testament, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, that the temple is not a building. It's in believers. It's us. You, you are the temple. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God has moved in. He's there. You might not have recognized it. You might not always be aware of it. But if you want to see a moment of glory happen, you sit down just for a moment and you realize you had no way of making peace with God on your own. Your sins were against you. And a spotless lamb died in your place offering up his life for you. His blood poured out in heaven. And it was accepted. And the way we know that is because Jesus not only died, but he rose again on the third day. It was God's way of saying, I have accepted the sacrifice and the glory has now fallen. It is here. And so you and I, when we believe that, you and I can walk in a new glory. You and I can walk in a new power. You and I can walk in a new awareness. You and I can walk in new purpose. I don't have to wonder, am I saved, am I not saved? I don't have to wonder, am I gonna have it, am I gonna lose it? I don't have to wonder anymore, am I gonna have it now, maybe not have it later? Is it for me, is it against me? What's gonna happen? No, you can know. You have peace with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ and your faith in him, amen? And the glory can fall in your life. And you can walk in that purpose and walk in that power and know the truth and know your calling and know what He has for you. And you walk in that glory. You don't walk around with your head down anymore. You don't walk around in defeat anymore. You don't walk around in despair anymore because God has poured out His glory for you and in you. Really? That's all you got? Come on now. My goal is to get us to the place where we're not afraid, ashamed of the gospel, where we are no longer bound by intimidation. We will not listen to the lies of the world today and we will boldly pray out loud. Verse 3 goes on, it says, When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement, on the pavement, and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Not only did the atmosphere change inside the temple and around the temple, but now it affected an entire nation. They all said, oh God, you've been good to us. They changed the culture. They changed the atmosphere because they were willing to pray and live their faith out loud. Amen? And the whole nation recognized. So, this is the day where you and I must accept the challenge to pray bold, pray out loud, and change the atmosphere. It may be a new thing for you. It may be a bold thing for you, but we've gotta get past church being the only place that we're bold about our faith. We've gotta get to the place where our homes is the place we're bold about our faith, where our family is where we're bold about our faith. We pull down the strongholds and the lies and the deceptions and the enemy's intimidation. And we say, I'm gonna have a heart, a marriage, a home, car, a workspace and a culture where I live my faith out loud. I'll speak it out loud. I'll sing it out loud. I'll pray out loud. I'm no longer ashamed. It's time. Amen, church? It's time we find our voice. It's time we find what God has called us to. And this is it. To pray bold and pray out loud. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, You've called us. You demonstrated your love for us and freedom for us out loud. And you call us now to let faith speak, to let it move out of the personal secret places into the bold public places of our life. I pray for homes represented here today, that there would now be a new passion, desire, and conviction, to speak faith in our homes, to pray out loud in our homes, to pray with conviction in our homes, to pray boldly in our homes. And then out of that would come life as you promised. Out of that would come a new generation raised up to walk in freedom and greater victory than we even know today. Father, I thank you that you put that passion within us by your spirit this morning. We recognize it, we yield. Now with your head still bowed, I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm gonna ask you right there. Maybe it's you by yourself, maybe it's you and a spouse, maybe it's you and some friends. I'm gonna ask you just to verbalize your prayer out loud to God. Just, it may be just where you hear it, it might be just where your spouse hears it, but this is your moment. Go ahead and just pray, make your voice known to God. Take this moment, you're in a safe space with the people of God. Thank God that He's redeemed you. Thank Him for being good to you. Thank Him for calling you. Thank you for thank Him for giving you faith. Thank you for being part of the church. Thank Him for that. Ask Him to move in your home. Ask him to move in power. Ask him to heal. Ask him to bring down strongholds. Ask him to do a new thing. Commit to never being silent about your faith again. Lord Jesus, forgive us for being so intimidated by such a small enemy. And thank you for loving us, redeeming us, and calling us to live out our faith, bold and loud. We declare this morning that Jesus is Lord here in this place, over our homes, over our marriages. And God, we ask you that as we lift you up out loud that you would draw all to yourself, change the culture. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, let me introduce to you Mr. Jonathan Thomas. Jonathan is um, a young person here in our church. Jonathan, you are a junior or senior? Junior, sir. He is a junior at Midlothian. High school or heritage? Which one, middle Eastern heritage? Global. Global, I'm totally wrong on that one, dude. Way to go, Global High School, walks hatchie. Yes, sir. So uh, Jonathan's one of these guys that comes to me pretty often after a service and we talk theology. I'm like, dude, you're a junior. And we talk theology, it's awesome. If you have any little theological discussion, come see him. It's good, it's good stuff, right? Yeah, he likes it. Yeah, I'll let you hold that for a second. So, uh, Jonathan, you're here to make your faith public today. Yes, sir. Tell just a little bit why.
1: Well, um, I'm sure a bunch of dudes in the audience can relate to this, especially if they're around my age. Um, Lots of temptation, especially with online accessible material, has been a big thing. Um, I've struggled with that. Since uh, fourth grade, and God help the kid that exposed me to that. I mean, I don't even know what's going on in his life. But I've struggled off and on with that since fourth grade. And um, I really let that and the sort of mentality that comes from ha- building up those strongholds of, you know, do whatever you want. Your life is yours kind of thing. I let that take hold of me for a good long time. Uh, around the time of the pandemic, I was reading into all these philosophies that have, um, that of people like Ayn Rand and Nietzsche if you'll know anything about them. Awful works, burn them if you have them. (laughs) But um, uh, I claimed Christ at the time but I believed almost a sort of sinner's prayer theology where I didn't really know any of the mechanics behind it. I didn't know what I had to do and I only really claimed Christ nominally. But after my freshman year, and I don't know what it was, I I guess it's just like the old hymn, I know the Lord laid his hands on me, but I would wake up one day, believe in one thing, go to bed, wake up the next day, I wouldn't believe it no more. These bad things. And that happened over the course of a month or two, the point where I just fell on my face, said, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except from you. You are the Christ, you are the anointed one, you are the king. That's, that's what I had to come to. I don't know what it is. But a junior, but learning about theology, it has been made evident that I've been elected out of my reprobate Keep going. heart and out of my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. It's uh, it's interesting, and I've have seen miracles happen. It's like you said, the greatest miracle is the redemption of the human heart, and I've I've seen that. It, I, I might I might not have seen uh, wheelchair bound people be brought up, legs fixed. I might not have seen. The earth stands still. But I have seen the redemption of the human heart.
0: Amen. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you also have some thoughts, maybe God's calling you into ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what a bold proclamation today. Yeah. Amen. So we're going to go back here and Jonathan's going to be baptized. I'll take that for just a moment. Yeah. And Truth's going to join us. Come on back, Jonathan. Yeah. (laughs) So, <laughs> yeah, awesome. So it's with great excitement today to have uh, a young man profess Christ, a young man who is certain about his faith, certain about what God has for him. Yeah, I'm gonna scoot up just a little bit. There you go, come on, that's good. Yeah, that's good, yeah. So Jonathan, uh, I know you got family sitting over here. Take a look at all of them, here they are. Yeah. You're making a bold statement today. This church stands with you in what God has done in your life and for what is ahead for you. So Jonathan, you are buried today as my brother in Christ. You're buried with him in baptism. Woo. Even more importantly, you're raised to walk in newness of life.